We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The Lake Forest Podcast is supported by viewers, listeners, and businesses just like you. Looking for the best pool supplies? Look no further than Doheny's Pool Supplies. With a history dating back to 1967, this family-owned business offers everything families need to keep their pools clean and sparkling from chemicals to equipment. Plus, customers enjoy free shipping on all orders. Visit Doheny's Pool Supplies today at doheny.com, D-O-H-E-N-Y.com to learn more. Forest Bluff Real Estate Team serves Illinois, Wisconsin, Lake Forest, and Lake Bluff. John Josephitis, Laura Lee Van Fleet, and of course, Michelle Parnell. Get a free market analysis now at forestbluffrealestate.com. For the best cannabis in the world, look no further than Iliad Epic Grow. Owned by Lake Bluff's own Rich Ruzich, they are a cannabis cultivation center focusing on hard-to-find small batch products that will delight both the occasional user and Gangier. When visiting Michigan, ask for it by name, Epic Products, Exceptional Process. For more information, email info at iliadgrow.com. Havy Communications has been helping first responders arrive safely since 1983. It's owned by Lake Forest own Mike Havy. Check them out at havycommunications.com. We'd also like to say we're thankful for our Patreon supporters. Otto, John C., Helen, and Herrick. Fine. We can make this happen. John and I were just, you know, going over how wonderful it is to be on the school board and I'm letting them know how wonderful it was to be on the caucus that... Yeah. Help help pick him and then Were you on it when I was there? I left right uh I helped with Venson, Schaubacher, Levert. I think you came in right after. I have problems with everybody. I, I, I would have been I would have been before. So I I was um this because this is my fifth year. My oh, okay. beginning of my second term. Okay. So then I you... was there through um, trying to think. So the Sheila Henretta was yeah. the president, I think. I came in right after that. Mike Adams. Okay. Was yep. Mike Adams was there. Um, I think for the next round. So yeah, I'd already been serving two years because I joined. I think my first would have been May of 2019. So my fifth year started. Uh, yeah, 23. So that's the other thing they didn't. They tell you, but trying to plan four years in advance telling you the term is was is rather daunting i'm not sure what i'm doing next week i'm it's a very glamorous position though john i mean you get yeah. all the accolades all the wonderful emails i don't get that many actually hey today is just so you know november 15th today is illinois school board recognition day it is it is your day mr noble yeah that's all right and there's a lot of them in illinois yeah we have a ton. We'll leave that for, we'll leave that for another podcast Superintendent Matt Montgomery, School Board President John Noble, thank you for coming on the Lake Forest Podcast. My pleasure. All right, so let's set the table here. Okay, this is just three guys at the bar talking about things that are going around town. Some people say I'm mean. Some people don't, you know, like what I say. But 
this is what people talk about in town and then we bring it up here and either it's right or it's wrong and hash it out and then move on to something else mr montgomery i've been on your case for a while thank you for coming on i i listen it seems like i'm very popular on the show Pete. so thank you so much well thank you for all the content that you've given <laughs> and uh let's get down to the communications part yes, my sir. perception the last time you were on the show uh, it was in February, and I've been trying to get you on the show for a while. And for some reason, you wanted to come on in February, and for some reason, you want to come on now. And it just strikes me as using this platform to uh, serve a, 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 a purpose. It, am I looking at it the wrong way, uh, Dr. Montgomery? Pete, I don't know if you're like, I'm not going to tell you how you're looking at it, is whether it's right or wrong. I will tell you that in February, when I came on, I was on a road show to educate the community about the referendum. So it was a specific purpose. Right. Uh, the reason that we are uh, reached out today is that we were getting requests from you and from the other podcast in town. And in the spirit of trying to be as accessible as possible, we're not going to go on the one po the podcast without the other. And since both of you were expressing interest, we decided with the board that we would come back on and talk to you. Okay. So now, we are, I mean, and I will tell you what the board is pushing themselves out more in the community uh, and are more present than ever in response to um, a desire to make themselves more accessible. So that's another reason too, things are changing a little bit now that we are post referendum, we're post-strategic plan, post-metrics. Uh, a lot of things have happened since April of 21 that have taken a great deal of bandwidth on all members. And I think that what we heard was when we were communicating at a very high level during the education process of the referendum, people seem to like that level of communication. So we've really been thinking through how do we maintain that outreach to answer questions, even the tough ones, uh, and then people can decide whether they like it or not. Fair and, enough. I would, and, and I would say one one step further, Pete, we were basically really as a board trying to figure out how to communicate specifics of what's actually happening. Because when you get down to it from a board perspective, and I know you've been to listen to a few meetings as well as the city meetings, they're pretty darn boring. There's not a lot happening and we're going through oh, a no, lot the of comments are great. stuff. I know. <laughs> but it's but the idea of basically getting the right information out in terms of what's actually happening, if someone tries to go on the website, tries to dig through information, it is awfully difficult to find because there's an immense amount of information. So trying to organize that in a way so that's it's digestible. But I think from a 10,000-foot uh, view, from the board perspective, we view, we view that if we can get information out there to the public and have them educated about it, we can have better input and better understanding of what their desires are. Um, we have a ton of contact, obviously, with the students and the parents. Okay, so that's 4,000 people. We're missing, you know, 16, 17, 20,000 people that maybe not don't have kids in the system. Um, they're there. So how do we get to them? And and I think, as Matt said, this is one of those avenues 
from your podcasts, other podcasts, um, reporters, other things that effectively allow the information to get out versus having the perception to be that we're trying to hide anything. Because I, again, this is not my full-time job. I get paid exactly zero as well as do all the board members. And you know that and all the committee members and like city of Lake Forest. So the idea of what we're doing in Lake Forest, Lake Bluff, in terms of serving the communities, that is really our focus. And so the idea is how do we share that information out so more people can understand it. And then when they want to contribute and and have questions, ask questions, input, come up with other ideas, we're, we're creating at least a framework to allow that to happen versus it just being this perception that, no, I don't want to listen. Or the only time you come to us is when you've got a problem. And that's usually not great because our solution in, inevitably will not be specific to that single problem it usually is looking at it more holistically and the guy sitting at the bar being poured a draft is saying hey man the tax bill is going to come out pretty soon and yep. some people are going to get pissed and you got to get in front of this right so that there's that that's happening too i i i guess i mean i it's not we didn't hide anything um so the process that we went through of getting everything out there for the referendum and all that type of stuff and having them vote so i mean that's that's what it is so our plan from a board perspective was i was going to have to live with the decision whichever way it came in right. and and having matt and the team to basically be prepared for that i i had a pers perspective individually what i liked uh, to see. But at the same time, my goal on the board and the fellow board members was to get the information out and be very transparent with that information, the visibility, what the work we were going to be doing and all of that. So yes, from a tax perspective, that's coming out. But I think the average person also wants to know what are we investing in, in regards to the school, the direction, what type of vision do we have? what is actually going to be happening there because if we're adding value and investing in the school and and what does that value then translate to the community and to the community members because that's effectively what you're paying for your taxes you better so, you better be seeing value for that john so i would add pete that my objective was promises made promises kept so our tax is going to go up yes and we talked about that during the educational process that we said they would go up $974 on a million dollar house. And then we went to the voters and we know it was close, 120 votes close. So essentially a split community in many ways, but the majority tipped in the favor of increasing taxes. So my focus turned into, hey, if we said it was going to be $974 on a million dollar house, we better hit that target when it comes to bond sales. And we just now finished the bond sales November 1. Um, I think the money went into the account. And we finished with, uh, we said 974. Uh, I don't know. We finished. It was 870. 870. Is that right? Hold on. I think it's like 870, 871. So thousand bucks. The guy sitting at the bar. Okay. Yeah. There's a there's a CFO sitting next to me because we live in Lake Forest and there's a lot of sea levels in town. <laughs> yes, there are. And the guy's nudging me because I'm a podcast guy. I'm not a financial guy. He says, you know what? It's 870, but it could have been a lot lower if we would have had a different way to finance the bond. What do I tell that CFO sitting next to me in the bar? Like, were there other models presented to you that could have been a less impact to the taxpayer? 
Yeah. Um, so John, you, you, you talk about that, but first be yeah. that same guy, if I would have came in at 1100, that same CFO would be annihilating me because I went over what I told the community would be. So yeah. like, my major target was we can talk about the modeling, but if I didn't hit that mark, that would be a problem for that same person. Well, right, so, okay. So, so John, yeah, talk so, about all of the different models we looked at. Yeah. So, so when we first went through this, and just to give a little bit of history lesson, so when I came on the board in nineteen in two thousand nineteen, we started work with the with Mike Simic and doing a master facility plan. So that started to occur. And we did, I think, a town hall um, inside the high school was was it would have been, um, I think, February uh, just or just before COVID came out. So we we were basically working through that. And at that time, I was um, moving on to chair of the finance committee. So we started looking at that summer, even though COVID was hitting, we still were doing work around what is the kind of ranges of. Uh, referendum, what's going to the cost, how do we finance it, all that fun stuff. That came back um, when we initiated the, the the referendum idea, basically, I think in the fall of 22. Um, am I right? 22? Yeah. So 22 or 20, 21, I'm sorry. Whatever the, whatever the date is, the fall of that year, we started looking at the financial models and starting to look at the referendum and the choices. So we looked at basically, could we do it in just in time? from a modeling perspective. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to grab 30, 40 million. Now uh, in two years, I'll grab another 50 million and go through that in terms of the project. That was one scenario. Um, the other scenarios we looked at, could we do a shorter than a 20 year bond? So could we do 17 years or 15 years? What does that do? What does that change? The issue becomes is a couple things philosophically. So one, we looked at and saying, look, we're not a financial institution. So we talk about basically not holding too much money. We have a fund reserve balance. So th these these two ideas are going to go. You're going to you're going to look at me strange, and you're going to say you're, you're you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. One side of it, when we do operations, we hold a fund balance in terms of enough to kind of deal with issues that might come up, a COVID, for instance, other types of things where we're going to need additional capital. Um, the other side comes to when we talk about a referendum, which is then a specific borrow and that specific borrow then if we're looking at modeling perspective of saying if we're going to go and try to do it just in time i'm bringing in risk i'm bringing in interest rate risk i'm bringing in if i if I, if i bring it in in year two i don't have a lot of flexibility on when i get to pull it because i'm pulling just in time so i need to have it to pay the bills at a certain time and going through the policies of issuing a bond, all the regulatory stuff and what we'd have to release and do, that's probably a two, three month window of time. And we've got to be able to hit that. So one of the things I looked at, and we looked at again as a board with a lot of advice from the financial advisors from Raymond James was to say, if we take all of it, what are we removing in terms of risk and certainty? So we get two advantages if we take it all at one time. I basically can lock in an interest rate that we believe is in the window that works for the next 20 years. I also start the clock on a refinance. So if you look back to 2006 and how those bonds worked, they were able to refinance those bonds in 2014-ish, something like that. But that clock is basically nine years from the issuance. So if you do just in time over four years, you start the clock nine years from the fourth 
year. So that means at year 13 to finish the last seven years, you could potentially reinvest or refinance like a home mortgage effectively and improve your rate. So that's one of the scenarios. If we do it all, all at first, we're able to start that clock right away. So if the window opens up at year 9, 10, 11, 12, we can bring that savings back to the taxpayers in terms of a lower interest cost if it's available to us. And I Second, would say the negative yield yep. curve also, so well, the market rates was a huge factor in this. Yeah. And while that 100 bucks doesn't sound like a lot on a million dollar house, it does save taxpayers over $20 million over the course of this borrow. And that does mean something. Well, I'm trying to go through, like I said, I'm just a podcaster and I, I can hear the people hitting fast forward on the explanations here. You asked the question. I know I did. <laughs> They're not Sorry. easy answers. Yeah, I know. I hear yeah. you. I hear yeah. you. Welcome. Welcome to the world. <laughs> yeah, yes or no. Was there another model presented to you that could have been a lower impact to the taxpayer? I'm guessing there was. Yes. No. But it was riskier. Is that what you're saying? It took yes, too much. because because the numbers are not exact. So you, you're working off of a model. And and I here here's a good example. So you've a, I, I assume you have had a mortgage at some time in your lifetime. Yeah. What do they do? They say you could do a 15 year mortgage, right? Not a 30 year mortgage. You say all that interest. But what's your house payment? It's like double. So can you actually afford it? So, yes, there are models. We could have done a five year loan. And the taxes would have been basically five times as much. And you'll, hey, only five years and then you're done. No taxpayer would want that. And part of the rationale and the risk that you want to think about it is these assets aren't yours. If you choose that on the house and you choose to do your double payment and do all that stuff and reduce that, you actually pocket that money. In a community, in a larger asset, we think about like a utility. I want to smooth it over the life. Again, remove risk, simplify the formula for the taxpayers so that taxpayers are equally contributing over the life of 20 years to the value of that assets that's happening in the community. And, and so that's what we told the community. Yeah. And that, and that's what we advertised in terms of what it was going to be in terms of the numbers and the dollar and, and the taxes impact. And so honoring that promise and honoring that sales pitch, if you will, that's what we were focused on doing versus trying to do a bait and switch and then having to justify, hey, I, I could save you a few extra dollars or this or that. But when the taxpayer does not realize the actual value in terms of their pocket, yes, they're contributing, but they're not getting to own that asset. They're living through that asset. And so how do we make that asset the most valuable for the entire community? And that really was the fundamental guidelines for us and the removal of the risk and giving us then financial options that we could move forward with. Question asked, question answered. Moving along in February, okay, we had the vote, passed yep. less than 100. Uh, let, let's talk optics here because, I mean, I was beefing my, like, Superintendent yep. Montgomery knows. Here's what I saw, okay? You, you would have a school board meeting, and then you would have a library aid going up that just got their job cut. You would have a teacher aide getting their job cut. And then, John, you give a superintendent a raise and the administrators a raise after the referendum passes. Maybe it was already planned. I don't know. But it's just it's all coming out at once. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. This is great information I would have liked to know before I voted. 
Yeah, so, am I looking so, at this wrong, John? Yeah, so yes, Todd, you are. A couple of things. Hope, so go ahead, Matt. Yeah, no, I'll finish. You do the, the stuff about <laughs> my contract because I shouldn't be talking about that. One, it's 120 votes. Stop saying less than 100, Pete. 120. Okay. <laughs> Let's not get lost in the details, but it's important to me. Okay. Two, um, That's the, an objective detail, but continue. <laughs> pertinent for my lens because I was counting every single one. So the... Okay. Uh, the other thing I'll tell you is that the library stuff, that's not John, that's that's a 67 issue. So it is, I understand what you're saying, that they all get mixed together. But don't forget, I have the pleasure of serving two boards. So I'll take a pause there. Now, John, you talk some more. Yeah. So, yeah. So again, I'm watching over 115. So the library, it's all that fun stuff. I have friends within that conversation. That's all district. 67. So K through eight, like and Forrest, I'll talk about EPA. that, but you talk, you keep talking. I'll but, come back. but when we talk about what happened, so there's two aspects to this that from the calendar perspective. So we began the referendum discussion. We also initiated with Matt um, and the board initiate both boards initiated this a redo of his contract. So that was us initiating to want to do that. Same thing in regards to looking at the admin salaries. That is a March, April thing of every single year. That happens every time. So yes, optics terrible. And we had that discussion in, in the board meeting. But again, um, from my perspective, I'm not trying to do anything politically. We're trying to do things that follow what we're supposed to do as a board. So yes, it didn't. I knew it wouldn't necessarily land great on us. But at the same time, it was stuff we needed to do. So specific to Matt, the idea from the board's perspective is because we did not know how this was going to land, yes or no, and the work that was going to need to happen, regardless of it passing or not passing, was going to be significant. Matt had shown his merit in regards to the shared service analysis that he had done and the other type of admin work that they had done from a positioning in the beginning of our, our culture. So when I think of the school, one of the very, one of the most pivotal pivotal things that I look at is culture. From our standpoint of the teachers working with us, the admin working with us in terms of an environment that the kids are learning in, the most valuable asset we have are people. And by far, the most influence at asset are the teachers. And so looking at saying, how are they working and what's happening? There's two, there's a ton of people involved, but if I'm going to isolate two, I'm going to isolate two, which is Aaron Leonard, the principal over at Lake Forest High School, her relationship, her culture, her style of leadership within the teachers, and then Matt from an overseeing of strategy and implementation of those tactics. So we initiated those two things at that time, and there was two deficits. One deficit was Matt itself, we knew was going to, we were going to have to pay him more. He was also going to get potentially stolen. We had already lost two admins to other districts for less work and more pay. Um, our Let me previous also, John, can we just say yeah. that I was not shopping and I was not no. trying to leave? I, nope. fact, this I was, this was, no, this was a nut. This, again, uh, well, this is the board. So we were Pete bidding against ourselves? That. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, Pete loves but, but not. that we're I'm bidding against and I'm shopping right. and I'm not. Yeah. No, no, no. So, so Matt was not shopping, but we are not we bidding say against that. ourselves. No, you weren't shopping. Yeah, but, but I'm saying Pete loves to say that. I know. So wait a whoa, 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 yeah, whoa, <laughs> superintendent, Miss, uh, the president Noble here is. It's his. He, you got the raise because of him. I directed the question towards him. Yeah. So I'm Fair. like, why are we giving you a raise when you contract? Look, in the real world, the corporate world, okay, which is a lot of fun. Yep. 
I, I don't get a raise till I show put up some numbers, some metrics. Now, if there if there was an agreement beforehand, hey, you get this hundred and six million no. and you get a raise, okay, great. No, no there's not. It's, but it's like, wait, what there's still time left on the contract. We could have another year where we could put some metrics, objective numbers, because Superintendent M Montgomery likes objective numbers, as you clearly just saw. Yeah. All right. Now, why why wouldn't we say, you know what? We hold the students to grades. The colleges hold students to grades. Why don't we hold the administrators and you know the teachers to grades for performance? So if, so there's differentiation. So we know to pay more for people yep. that are performing better. John, if, if 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 we were in a competitive environment where we had the leverage as a school district, I would agree with you. We are in a shortage of both teachers and quality talent from a board and superintendent perspective. It is it is difficult to find quality people like Matt, quality people like Aaron and other people that are in the admin staff. It is very difficult and they're expensive. And so one of the threats is that if I if we run his contract out, like you're saying, in the third year of that contract, we'd be negotiating second year of the contract as it finishes that whole third year, you'd effectively be negotiating the next year. The way the teachers work and the way that, or I should say the admin works is that in the fall, of that year, when you'd be finishing up next summer, those are when the interviews are happening. So if we have not placed a contract in front of him prior to that fall, we are then working against ourselves to negotiate a new deal after year three. At the same time, he is out interviewing. So so two scenarios happen. Let's say he decides to go. We don't offer him enough. We don't. We're not competitive enough. Okay, too bad we lose him. We lost more than that. We lost everything we're trying to do directionally as a board from a standpoint of improving. So investment and growth kind of go together. If I wanted to do status quo, your strategy works just fine. Get the contract out. Everything's doing fine. We got great school. We got good kids. We got good scores. All I really need, I just need someone to kind of watch. I just need a traffic cop. We needed more than that. And we need more than that. And I think our community expects more than that. So protecting the culture, protecting our ability to have the proper people with the proper talent to run and lead in an organization like this, that is what we were wanting. And we all 14 saw and all 14 of us agreed to do that. At the same time, bringing the admin salaries, the admin salaries was a project that was basically three years in the makings around shared services and trying to get those numbers right. And that was something that Matt was able to lead on to, again, to make sure we were market uh, competitive with these resources and people because they have alternatives to go. And with that, that becomes then, it creates that uncertainty. It creates the inability to create the leadership model and, and the direction we're trying to go. So that is what initiated all of that work. And yes, it all landed at the same time and it can look as funny as you want it to look, but the truth is that is exactly what was happening and thinking strategically, which is our job as a board, we're looking out three, five, seven years. That's the work we're doing day in, day out. Um, and and the idea of, of, of protecting the assets that we think are valuable from a human perspective and getting them market rates so that we effectively can depend on the accountability of getting the deliverables that we're expecting. So that's that's the long and the short of it, but it all initiated well before that. And it's stuff that we continually look at 
and we're at risk. Um, Matt throws out a nice number, which is that last year in Illinois, one third of all superintendents were new. It's this year. Th this year. So that, that means any plans they had, any direction changes, yeah, I guess they'll, they'll move along. But what you end up getting is you get tactical movements that are minor in terms of changes and things we're trying to do. And we're living through right now some of the most difficult times coming out of COVID, referendum, passing or failing, and the ability to optimize learning for these kids in a, in a very demanding community, which I, I love and adore. But I think that's what, what we're needing to basically deliver on. And I can't do that with people that are okay. You know, B-plus players. We need A's. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And the guy sitting next to me at the bar, John, is saying, well, if he's not shopping, you can just fire up the recruiting again. Yeah, you got to pay more re recruiting dollars to find somebody else. But the cost of living, the, the administrator in Ohio bringing somebody in is a lot cheaper than bringing somebody in from Illinois. So you just keep the recruiting thing going you or lose, you're bidding you against lose, yourself. You, understood. But you lose that time. Transition costs. If you, if you, if, let's say, you know, you, you step out of your business. Yeah. In the musician world, right. You go find another bass guy and he can. A good one. Good one. Just walk in and go. Right. Piece of cake. That is. What do you think the uptime costs to get someone up and running within a superintendent role? It's not one month. It's not two months. It's about a year, year and a half. But to John, get them going. The, OK. So, and I don't so get you lose that. Here. What? I don't want to get prickly here. Go ahead. But you're the school board guy. If you have a good system in place, it should be plug and play, right? Because mm -hmm. um, let's just go to Portrait of a Learner, which I'm really yep. trying to wrap my head around. Because, Dr. Montgomery, you like objective numbers by the 120 votes. But when you go to Portrait of a Learner and you want to get paid off of that as part of your metrics, how do you get paid off of empathy? You know what I mean? Help, help me out on that, because if that's a system in place, to me, there's, what, seven, eight components in that thing? And I'm trying to look. The, 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 the greatest one that I saw that made sense was critical thinking. But how do you how do you quantitate? How do you differentiate differentiate the good admin from the not as good admin and the good teacher from the not as good teacher with that criteria? So have you. So the portrait of a learner is a vision statement. So it's visionary in terms of 150 people from our community came together to say what was important to them for our students to possess as they move from kindergarten up to senior year. Come one, come all, we sent the invite. They came together and prioritized competencies and they said critical thinking, communication, empathy, adaptability, citizenship, and confidence all grounded on academic excellence is what's important to the Lake Forest community. So that is what the community said. 
Then we took it one step for, further last year and we said, okay, what does that mean in terms of a strategic plan? So both districts came together. We had 50 people in each district for that one and created a five-year strat plan. Then in October and November, respectfully, so just last night for 67, and in October for 115, we released metrics for how we were going to measure the progress on each year of the strategic plan. So you have a portrait that is aligned to a strategic plan that's aligned to a metrics. That's how you do what you just said. And it took two and a half years to do that because we thoughtfully engaged the community and the board to come together to see what they wanted to achieve with their kids aspirationally. And then how does that boil down to actual classroom changes? So if you look at the metrics that were released in 67 last night, it shows you in year 24 to 28 what benchmarks we're trying to hit. And there's a set of metrics that are one for 115 as well. Cool. Clue me in. You got the whole half hour here. What are the metrics? Is anybody getting paid off of those? What do you mean getting paid off? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. To, to me, I was in the corporate world, 20 years, sales, vice president of sales. Either I hit my number or I didn't. If I didn't, I got fired. So, like, what is it going to take besides malfeasance for somebody to be let go? I understand you have teachers unions and all that, but we want to differentiate good administrators from not as good administrators. Is that a fair ask or no? Yeah. Like it's how a fair I'm, ask. It's just it's just it's just not the same thing. So you you've seen in the press when you think about people that work for the government and how hard it is to fire them. So yeah. you, you can't trivialize that too much. We are a government entity. The school board, I mean not school board, the school yeah, district yeah. is. And in so, Illinois, I get it. Yep. And and the teachers union has their contract and those things. And the admin, same thing. We've got we have in the admin shared service, every admin effectively has a year contract and we work through and they have deliverables individually for them. Now you've got both soft and hard metrics, but basically it's, are they doing their job? Are they competent? And Matt is our CEO to evaluate those workers to say, are they doing that? On the teacher side, we have to follow that culture and are they doing the things within the teacher union and that contract? And so it, it would be rosy and lovely if it was a sales organization, because that's what I do as well, but it's not. It's it's you know it's it's trying to figure out the the subtleties of both soft and and hard metrics and growth. So you want to say, I want all of the students to become distinguished learners or have career pathways. And that's if you look in our metrics and you'll see what it is. It's abundantly clear what we're after, and we also want growth for those individuals. So if we're eighty five percent of them delivering on that, or we're eighty seven percent. Where is that fault? Does that fall on the teacher's fault? Was it the admin fault? Was it the family's fault? Was it the child's fault? So the point being, as you look at those, we have to be accountable for that. We have to define that. That's work we're doing and have done, and we will continue to do. But but it is not as uh, cut and dry and simple as as it would be in the corporate world with you know sales. Yeah. So I'm not. There's not widgets, and that I think that's what makes it a little bit more challenging. I'm running a public institution, not a private institution. I can't be um, like, I don't have something to count um, of like, we hit this sales point, we made this much product, we're dealing with human capital, which I think takes a different lens. And this has been, this has been proved, proven over and over, like Bill Gates got into education, because he thought he would fix it with all of his money. 
And then he pulled out of education. So there is, and let's not get lost, but just know that this is a public sector world instead of a private sector world. And we are growing children, not uh, pick your product. I'm not selling potato chips. And and this could be like a bigger issue, but this is where people are scratching their head. The kids are held accountable to grades, right? They're held accountable to a test to differentiate, to go into another school. Let's just take critical thinking, okay? When I took the LSAT, there's a critical thinking piece to it that you could get a score to it. Why can't we hold teachers accountable to, hey, what did they get a grip? How did they, what was their competency on critical thinking to take a test? And I think I heard you here. I, I don't want to give you another question on top of a question, Matt, but I've heard you say, hey, we don't want to teach people to a test, you know, teach to the test. But that's what life is. I mean, if you want to be a lawyer, you got to pass the bar. If you want to be a doctor, you got to pass the, you know, the exams. Okay. Uh, what if if critical thinking is a part of the portrait of the learner? Why can't we have an objective data point to test to that? So I think teaching to the test is an elusive statement because what I want is to give them the core skills that they need that they will do well on a test. Because there are some schools that are solely test prep schools, and I think that you lose the overarching objective of what education is and educating the whole child. And if we just do drill and kill on can we increase our scores on the SAT or the the ACT, we're missing out on a whole bunch of other things that are really important for overall well-being. And I would argue that we have seen historically people who are really good at that test not be able to survive in the real world. So Education is much more than that. I think, Pete, it has to be a blend of the both or both things. We have to give them the skills that they need to be um, successful on these tests. And if we're not hitting the mark, and in some ways we're not right now, because we want to be number one. So what mechanisms do we need to change to do that? That's We're having both conversations at the same time. At the same time, on the other end, we're trying to say, what what is success? So how do we as a community define success? Is it a perfect ACT? Is it getting into an Ivy? Is it getting a college degree? Is it getting a job after college? Is it being overall um, happy with your life, whatever pathways you choose? What if you don't choose child or college? Do we have ways to support you? It's not, it's not one data point. I'm, I'm looking for a data point. Like it's, if you're going to get a raise, how do we know we, as a taxpayer, how do we know that we should give you a raise based on what? Something came out last night. Okay, I missed it. Mia culpa. But like what? Give me just one metric that you would get paid on or a teacher would get paid on to differentiate what somebody else is getting paid on. Yeah, so let's look at let's look at the 67 metrics. So and I'll the, put it up on the podcast afterwards. Yeah, so the, the 67 metrics has different points. So 70, I think 75% for 24, and then it goes up to 95% on achievement on the IAR from year 24 to 28. That's crystal clear. Okay. So if we get in year, next year, if the goal is 75, and I in the district comes in at 70, I think that's one data point that says for the board, Matt, you didn't hit that mark. 
Are there other marks as well that I'm getting evaluated? There's a whole bunch of them, but a lot of my success as an administrator should be based on have we, this is me talking, John, have we progressed through the strategic plan every year moving forward because the community came together and said, that's what we want you to work on. But it will be multiple data points. That's just one of them, Pete. So okay. if, our, if our SAT score, if we're, um, SAT score is dropping, so that's one data point. If we're number five in the state this year, and last year we were seven in the state, which was true, so that we showed improvement. Well, what if next year we drop down to six? If you're looking for one singular message or one singular data point, I think that is going to be exceptionally challenging to give you. There's a whole bunch of variables that I think I'm getting evaluated on. Much of them contain in both of these strategic plans and now both of these metric documents. Okay, so I want to beat a dead horse. <laughs> okay, going on to the next thing, uh, John, let, let's talk about communications here. Melissa Oakley, my buddy, yeah. I'm sure I get she's got a picture of me up in her office as I do here in mine. Should she be eight by uh, ten feet? It's an eight by ten. <laughs> well, I got a big head. <laughs> uh, should it be that the school should have her as an internal communications person, and the board should be external communications? The ring reason I bring it up is there's other factions in town that have incentives to give negative information versus positive or spin it. Look, data, feelings, subjectivities can all be spun a certain way. And with Melissa being on the communication side of things, me as a taxpayer, am I paying her to put up, I hate to use the word propaganda, but to put a positive spin or English on something versus John coming out and saying something externally about the school? Am I looking at that wrong? I, I don't know. I mean, she's she again works for Matt and that team. And and we had, I think, at one time um in the role previous uh lady named Ann Whipple. And so she was an independent contractor because that's just how it's set it set up originally. And so she was doing the same role. When Melissa came in, it made more sense to bring her in as part of basically supporting getting the information out. So I don't necessarily think about it as, as spinning it because, I, again, as I think I said when we when I walked in, I, I don't remember any lies um, so then I can just say the truth. So from my perspective, we're just getting the information out where we fully expect to be wrong in half of the people's eyes and probably wrong in the other half people's eyes. So the point being is that they're going to read and interpret the information, but it's our job to simply move move it out there. Um, and I think spinning it in terms of positive um I, I guess uh, you know but i would basically be spinning things positive right now because i think that's we're doing the work that needs to be done and i'm very opti op optimistic about the direction we're doing and the investments we're making so i i don't see it really a spin i'm not sure if i maybe uh, well here here the question I, give it to me better that's my chicago knees look yeah. when when i open up the mailbox yep and i got this flyer looking at a, a a window that's leaking and then i get a you know another flyer that says hey we got plenty of money and i'm just a guy looking at these things yep one has a pot one has it positive english or makes the ball go left one makes the ball go right so that's kind of why i bring it up it's 
when we're going to get 106 million, okay, somebody's going to say, you know what, do we need, it could be lower or we need it. So somebody's got incentive to go either way. That's, that's my point. Yeah. And if the board would be, would come up externally talking about that, maybe that's not the place of the board. I don't well, know. We, Remember, but, we're but sitting we in a bar. But, but my point is that we did. We had plenty of sessions where I was at, I, I think, 15 or 20 of them through the year to allow community members to walk up to me, ask questions, email me. Um, none of those people that you're talking about that sent mailers out, I got exactly zero emails from those people. I was the chair of the finance committee about getting any of those facts. So they chose, other people chose to promote what they wanted. I have fellow church members who walked up to me and said, hey, I love you, John, but you know what? I can't vote for that. I'm a business owner. I don't have any kids in the district. I just can't support it. Sorry. I love what you're doing, but I can't do it. And I've got parents here. It's the same thing on fixed income. Also, I'm not sure how they voted. <laughs> but the point being is, is that that's why it went out to a referendum and to a vote. And I was very comfortable to live with how that worked. But getting the information out and sharing the simple facts, if you did a tour through the building and you saw the bathrooms and some, saw the other stuff going on, there were investments that were not made for a variety of reasons. You go back to the Great Recession in 2008, we had some contracts with the unions and some of the other things that were not tied to inflation. And we had other pressures that put us basically in a very difficult spot. So it took five to six years to get our fund balance into a better spot. And some of that came at the cost of investing in the building. Now, not to the tune of 105, but I'll tell you at least 20, $30 million did not get put in place. And the attitude was, is that they knew work would have to be done. And at some point they were gonna to go to the public for the referendum. And the idea was we still needed to get our financial house in order. And so those two things kind of happened during that time. And, and from my perspective is I am honoring the role I'm supposed to be doing. And the seven board members, as we look at that information with the admin and work as a team to really figure things out and where we are, I have that information. I have those answers. People that are promoting another theme, I can tell you, I don't get a lot of emails from them about, hey, what's this? What's that? They're promoting a very single perspective and I get it. They don't want to pay more taxes. I understand it. I got it. I can appreciate it. But at the same time, there are things that we are needed to do and committed to do. And, and that was the information going out. I think to build on your conversation about should the board be talking more? the board being on these panels during the referendum education was well received. And that's why you're seeing, that's why it's not just me on this call with you. That's why John is with me. That's why John and Annie have done three community coffees. Um, and they are, that's why you're seeing them at more events. We are trying to push the board out because they want to be out and about and to be able to answer questions you should ask them the tough questions as your elected officials. As well, evidence but, of John being with me today, like that, yep, as often, to evidence of 30 people being with John and Annie at Gorton last week. Like I, that's I, what we're trying to do. Yeah. Alice Levert was at an APT meeting today. Like we are trying very hard to support the board. The administration is supporting the board's wishes of getting out and being able to answer the questions that the community has. John, should we be 
pissed at the board 20 years ago? It seems like we're kicking the can down the road to have lower taxes to not put the money to budget and maintenance. Is that I've heard that, too. Yeah, I, I I don't think so. I mean, they they were living through the choices at that time and the community and, and the attitude. I think um, I, I've been here since 73. So we moved here in 73 as family. Um, uh, one of the analogies I would use is a little bit like um, what happens at a country club. So what happens at the end of the year at a nice country know. club? Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. But my point is that when that happens at the end of the year, usually you get a little bill that says, here's your assessment. This is what we need additionally every year. And I think part of the philosophy of a lot of those business leaders and people in regards to what was going on is saying, hey, you're going to need the money every 20 years. It's kind of the cycle of things. And you know what? You're going to come to the community. That's the way it's set up. And Tell us what the assessment is. Tell us what we need to invest. And I think the three things that were going on at the time is the idea of the referendum in 2006. As that happened, there was an attitude that there was more work to be done. We will do it in 10, 15 years. We'll do another thing, but we'll finish the work. And then you have the Great Recession that occurred and basically having to deal with the financial pressures you had. We we collect almost 100 percent of the taxes in Lake Forest and Lake Bluff. That is not the norm for a lot of other cities. When we got into the Great Recession, that number changed. That number was not 100 percent anymore. I think it was something about 95, maybe in as low as 92 percent. So even as lovely and rosy as Lake Forest started to see the pressures of those issues, And then you had contracts that effectively were not tied to inflation. And what was inflation at that time? Zero, almost negative. So you put a tremendous amount of pressure on on an institution that effectively is very low recourse of getting funds. And so as those things started to happen, those boards were needing to manage the fire that was burning at the time. And so what went away was some investment in finishing that. And again, I'll go back to that. We started the process in 2019. We're four years later because of what occurred. It's not an excuse, just a fact. So we're doing it now. Did we lose time value of money? Did we lose the opportunity to do some of the work? And the answer is yes, we did. And so we are where we are today based on the circumstances. I'm not going to roast prior boards. They had to make very difficult decisions at those times. I will. Yeah, that's fine. You go ahead. I know. Yeah, but someone, I was told like but... over and over, Pete, I was told in all these people that I've had conversations with that the philosophy of the board in 2006 was we're going to in previous boards too. every 20 years, we're going to go in front of the community. That's the philosophy. Personally, that is a philosophy that puts a lot of pressure yeah. on the system. And this board, I think, has a very different philosophy. So we are having active conversations about do we need to be in adding on to our annual CapEx spending or reserves. So in 20 years, the next person there, if it's not me, Pete, you have to dry your tears on that one. um, Oh, you'll be paid. Don't worry. Thank you. They will have enough money where they're not saying, if if I could have said in April of 21 that, hey, we need 50 million instead of 100 and the district's in for the other half because we saved over the last 20 years, I think that's a very different conversation. And I think taxpayers would look at that differently, but that's not what this district set up philosophically. And we're wrestling with that right now to yeah. see what is the current philosophy. And they also don't want to do a, a DSEP. 
So the DSEB, that may change, but there's many districts in the North Shore that have DSEBs, including 67. And if we were to enter or ask the taxpayers, when we ask them on our survey, do you want to go on the ballot or would you support if we went on the ballot on a debt service extension base or borrow? I can't remember what the B is. Yeah. Um, they said no, because that's essentially a blank checkbook for the district where you don't have to ask us for money. So we're getting mixed messages as this philosophy is evolving. We don't want you to come every 20, 20 years, but we don't want to give you a blank checkbook. Yeah. So what is the sweet spot to make the least amount of people angry and the most amount of people in support of what we're doing long term? It's a messed up system. I'm just saying it's something the Chicago Bears would do. Moving on to the next one. What is the uh, let's see, there's about what, 1400 kids, 1500 kids at the school, high school. 14, yeah, 1430, 14. 1440, something like what, that what's right the, now. What's the capacity? Shoot. Oh, I don't like, know, Pete. 1650 to 1700 something like that yeah, the, the enrollment did, is yeah it has been much higher than what it is now but yeah. i don't know what the maximum amount is Pete. I'm well sorry. i i come from lane tech you four or five thousand you got new trier for we're not we're not that i, I know <laughs> yeah. that but you, you're being <laughs> we, compared you're being compared to these bigger schools and of yep. course the law of small numbers you can work for you or against you okay yep. um help me out learning about schools pardon the pun but like you got North North uh, Chicago, you have underserved communities, and we have extra capacity. Is there any way we can get some tax dollars to uh, put some uh, kids in the Lake Forest High School? Wait till I get fan mail now. Yeah. What? So, so there's. Uh, God, you take that one. Yeah. So the the I've asked this question. Um, here here's the problem: is you if you open up the ability for anybody to pay and come in you open up for everybody, which means whatever the circumstances of that child, you must take them. So we get into both special ed. We have students that cost us potentially $100,000, $150,000 per year for that one child. We get roughly maybe $20,000, $30,000 back from the state. Yeah. It's our obligation as a community to educate these children so that's the way the laws are set up. But yeah, I, I would just we can't John, cherry pick. It's well, our but job to question. educate all students. That's right. And so the point is that when you when you open up and we've looked at those 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 laws basically become that I cannot say, you know what, we've got room for another 100 kids. We could let 100 kids like Loyola and just pay tuition and come on in and do that because basically we as a public school outside of our committed district we can't discriminate against the individual coming in and so the challenge is that could put the community at risk to basically having to fund a higher number because there's no certainty it's not like it's a windfall of funds um and and there's another idea we talked about is in, in hybrid and that type of a learning environment was could you create environments where you could use our teachers our classes and educate kids in other buildings and other things, bringing kind of our resources. So your instance of a North Chicago, maybe you've got two kids that are in a calc class. You know, how could you help them? And most of those solutions are sending those kids actually to Lake County uh, Community College. Mm -hmm. And that's really where that serves. So they can get there for those higher level opportunities because we're running, as you know, kind of a boutique high school 
with the same curriculum as a Stevenson or a new Trier yeah. for those opportunities, no kids are getting cut from our sports. No kids are getting cut from our clubs. And so you have the ability to have opportunity here without some of the pressure and restrictions that you have to choose at a new Trier Stevenson. And that's where a lot of people come to this community as well as the support services that are in place. And so that's a wonderful opportunity to move here and be that, but extending that option becomes really tricky. And so there's not a really good mechanism to solve that. And, and I, 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 I've asked the same question and there just isn't a real okay. functional enough, way because to do it. It's, yeah. Look, I'm looking at like a small business. Okay. I got a restaurant. I need more yep. people in. Okay. Right. Well, if I don't have more people in, I got to reduce the menu. Okay. Cause Agreed. we're offering a long tail of yep. solutions to a small amount of kids, the teacher to uh student ratio, you know, it's, it's expensive. Okay. And then Put it on top of it, Dr. Montgomery, the attendance is uh, going down. Is that true? Did I see something about attendance? Uh, yeah, so I'll tell you, attendance has been a focus at the high school for the last yeah. years. And we have recouped attendance um, at that building because of the focus work to say to parents and guardians and students that we need you. So there were kids coming to school two years ago post pandemic who weren't going to class B. So yeah. we have championed with Dr. Lennart and this faculty to try to get them into class and now they're showing up. But I will tell you that in 67, one of the buildings didn't get the highest rating that they should have academically because we had parents or guardians have students who were absent greater than 10% of the school year, which is greater than 176 17.6 days. So we are outpacing at the high school right now, and we're going to turn our focus now to 67. We are outpacing attendance issues nationwide because of that laser focus. Something weird happened. When kids were virtual across the country, getting them to come back has not been an easy task. And that's the same thing for parents and guardians too. Well, and teachers to make the classes more engaging i've heard i don't know two or three things guys and we'll we'll let you off the uh the hot seat here uh get kids to school you know i'm sitting in line uh like eight o'clock and three o'clock on deer path and there's I'll do this, it Pete. go a different there's, way there's this damn traffic jam and i start you know sticking my snout into things and uh mike when I was a kid, I took the school bus and I asked parents around, like, why don't your kids take the school bus? Number one issue was, well, it was you have to pay for it now. If we got a referendum, I know it's for 115, but still, why won't we cover uh school bus fees for uh parents? Because I would have the, the kids that need to take a school bus and not get dropped off in their Mercedes, they they might need the help and we can get less traffic on Deer Path. What happened? Yeah, so remember that these are completely separate budgets. So when you, yeah, you but it's you, one and, road, and the, I understand that we can we can widen the widen the road. Maybe that's not yeah. going to happen either. Um, but don't I, I want to be careful because I think this is easy for people to do. Well, you got one hundred five point seven million dollars now. You shouldn't pay for for busing. And the community voted for the referendum, but they are separate budgets. So I can't take money from the one fifteen budget and move it over to sixty seven. Both buses, like both districts are charging for buses. We have been slowly reducing the cost. Yeah. I think the bigger issue, Pete, is people don't want their kids on buses. Well, that is that is a trend in high um, 
uh, high achieving districts, uh, which means districts that are often have more resources, more parents are able to drive their kids to school. If we offered free busing, would we see a decline in traffic? Maybe, but to what degree is my question. Well, and the number two totally thing- they've been the boards have been trying to minimize that cost, but acknowledging that the the amount that we're charging is not covering buses. And people are going to say, hey, you got that money sitting in the bank account and you're going to have a surplus from the interest. What are you going to do with that? I don't want to get into that because it'll get us another half an hour. But I mean, yeah. these are things that this, I'm, yeah. I'm pointing at John, not at Matt. Matt's going to get a paycheck somewhere. I don't know where it is, but he's going to get another paycheck. I'm dealing yeah. with John right now. <laughs> so so the school bus, like when did that get cut out, John? Do you know? I don't ever even be in here. We always paid. It's always really? been okay. another fee. Yeah. And so the other thing that's with that, that we communicate to parents, because even in this community, we have parents that can't afford it. Yeah. Um, and so we do have abilities uh, through sports uh, fees and other types of things. We've tried to keep them down and low. Um, but at the same time, we do and we will fund parents and families that are in need. And we make that available to them that, so they can understand and subsidize that where that's needed. The bigger philosophy thing, I think, in the high school, too, is you want the kids want to drive or they're going to park at the city and walk over um, and you're still running a, a number of buses. And I mean, I've, I've had to pick up my daughter and just the schedules and what they're doing. So, you know, the DPM one is just I think yeah, we, the we simple answer our- is you just go a different way. And I've I've gone the wrong way numerous times and I'm put stuck. Wi-Fi on the bus. They'll take care yeah. of it. Done. So we, yeah, I just it's I think it's the philosophy is pa- parents right, and families. Right. Yeah, I That's honestly cool. it's just I but we've always paid. I think even from at me as a kid from uh, in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. OK, so a couple of things to add. The board philosophy, I think, was 50, 50, 50 of the parents pay 50% and the board pays 50%. Uh, we tried, we worked with the city, I think the first year and the second year I was here to try to figure out how to make that traffic better. They were wonderful partners. We've been trying to continue to figure out a way, keep without widening the road, how can we make it better for our community? Uh, and it continues to be a problem. Two things. One, Mental yep. health. When I had you on in February, Dr. Montgomery, I was asking you about mental health and is the school well-staffed and all that. And then a couple of months later, I don't know what the time period was, and I gave you crap for it. Something came out where you brought in a third party to evaluate your mental health. And I'm like, what's this guy doing? Hmm. Where here's here's what I'm doing. This is back to we the idea that we're only sharing positive things, Pete. And that that I get a little worked up when you say that because yeah. I feel like for the last three years, all I've done, not all of it, but a huge portion of what I've done is tackle big problems that are unpleasant to talk about. And that's a great example of one of them. And the question was, do we have this staff? Are we running a mental health institution out of that high school? Do we have the policies and protocols in place that we need? How are we protecting students? How are we protecting faculty? And as important as the other two, how are we protecting parents and guardians? That's why we brought somebody in and we made substantive changes because of those recommendations because of that third party analysis, because both Dr. Lenart and I were laser focused on, we need support from somebody outside looking in to see how are we best using these 
tremendous resources we have. John, I know this is a passion project for you. So I don't know, Pete, I don't know how much time you want to stay on this call. I'll stay on it till you guys <laughs> click off. But yeah. the moms that get pissed off at me when they talk about this stuff, yeah. and you can tell me not you won't answer it. I get it. But here's what the moms are saying at the bar on the clean side of the bar. They're saying that, oh, well, you know, this uh, counselor talked to my kid and I had no idea. There's no communication there. Is that mom right or wrong? Is that one of the changes that are happening? Can you yeah. speak to any of the changes? Yeah, so you have to know that in the state of, the, so yes and yes. Okay. So we have to be able to protect children per the state of Illinois and par and students have to be able to talk to social workers and counselors. And there is a limit of, um, I think they can meet with a social worker like eight times per state guidelines without parent notification. One of the changes that came out of that analysis was, hey, listen, if at all possible, we are communicating with the parents and guardians as soon as possible when a student is coming to us because we cannot do this alone. And philosophically, I don't want to run a mental health institution. We should be providing immediate support for triage. And we should then work with outside agencies with the parents if the parents choose to work with one. And it should be ongoing support. Clinical support should not be happening in our high school. And that is a big change. So we changed the policy that after two visits, if a, if a young person comes to a social worker after two visits, it is mandated that they reach out to the parent or guardian. Because that made me really uncomfortable the deeper we got into this, that it seems as if through no fault of anyone, there was an apparent, we could have amped up our parent and guardian communication. They have to be at the table with us, Pete. We can't. We can't do this by ourselves. You're not daycare. Yeah. Well, th this. Well, we're is, not a mental is, institution. That's yeah. the bigger thing. Yeah, and the hard part is that coming out basically from a, a mental perspective on the COVID side, but also if we go back to 2011 and 12 with the suicides that happened here, um, there are a lot of uh, people that are still in the building when that happened, and they were treating those kids or they were students of theirs or whatever it might have been. And those left scars on those individuals, as you might imagine. And so the, the effort to basically put the kid first and be there for them. And I think over time, what ended up happening was a little bit of where, you know, people were doing the best they could. But at the same time, they were they were trying to solve the problem individually versus taking a team approach. And so my philosophy is a little bit maybe like yours. You go to the bar, you talk to the bartender and you tell your problems. Everybody knows all your problems. And so you walk out of the bar, and you don't have any problems anymore because everybody knows about it. Within the community of, of, of all these legal rules, you get stuck with basically no one's allowed to say anything to anybody and on and on and on. And so it just becomes these walls go up. And so part of this is really building the environment and the team right from the get go with these kids so that you've got teachers, you've got friends, you've got counselors, you've got parents, you've got therapists outside, but you've got a group of people that that child can can speak to and count on. And I and what I think about when I think about culture, um, and I was a lousy student at high school. I had my own challenges and problems, and I focused on sports, and that's yeah, what I, I wanted to do. cheated off you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and I cheated off someone else. Um, but, but the idea to think about that when you have an issue that you can go to somebody or you can pick your favorite teacher to talk to and work out and that you can 
be in an environment where you can have 1500 friends because this is the time in your life, no matter what anybody says, you build some of the most long lasting relationships. This in college, this is what happens as you build your community and you grow and, and being able to feel like you're isolated and you're on an island and you've got nobody you can go to, that is just so destructive in my mind. And seeing kids just crash and burn because of that and that pressure. And whether they've got a difficult family life, they've got a difficult set of friends, whatever it might be, but opening as many doors to that to allow that child to grow and, and bring the right supports at the right time, but not insulating that only one person can solve that problem for that child. And if mm -hmm. that's who they think, that's that to me. And so this philosophy, this report, this analysis really uncovered things that were not going to say done on purpose. They weren't. They just things that could be done more efficiently and bring more people to the table for that child. And that's what's happened. And that was something we as a board and Matt and the admin absolutely signed up to go look at and investigate. Um, because again, we did not think the status quo and where we were trending, especially coming out of COVID, especially with the mental health increases, the number of kids having issues, citing issues. And so this is something we've been tackling right from the get-go. And you talk about, um, I mean, the report also said, Pete, a whole bunch of good things we're doing. So I don't want to, I don't want to not acknowledge that, but there was also a whole we'll do that. We can do. Yes, absolutely. Nice, Pete, please. The, um, um. There's a whole bunch of other things that we needed to work on, but you, I walked in with Dr. Lenart to a staff who had a string of suicides. They lived through losing children, and the suicide rate across the country is not decreasing. So this is an exceptionally serious matter, and when you are in that funeral home or you're in that church, like we're talking about lives right now, so this is... This and student safety, I, this is both, this is all under the safety. This is remains number one of things that we're worried about for kids. All right. Last thing on my list to hit you on the head with Dr. Montgomery sent an email out this morning. Unfortunate mm -hmm. uh, problem with 67. You want to address it? I want, I want to address that. This goes back to willing to tackle the hard problems. Yeah and to be as transparent as we can be with the community. There is zero tolerance for any type of abuse of children for our faculty and staff. And if we find out that there's any history of that, even if it hasn't happened here, we will do a complete investigation and we will make decisions based on the findings. And in this case, when we did the full investigation, uh, this employee was terminated for actions that did not happen in the district. And then, Pete, I'm talking about it. Like, I'm putting out emails about it. We're not sw uh, sweeping anything under the rug. John, the, John led a, a state initiative last year with 65 and 67 to try to get a law passed which is called face law, which he'll speak about much more eloquently, but it is to protect districts from situations such as these, where teachers and staff cannot resign and keep files closed and move from one place to another. So if you wanna know where I am, 
I'm not telling all the good stories around here. We're tackling the difficult problems. And if I find out or get wind that there is any question on in this area of grooming, we are going to investigate it swiftly and take extreme actions if it's substantiated. So if we do a background check, we can't find out if the teacher was grooming or is this like a recruiting issue too? Like what's the. At that uh, time is... you couldn't. Yeah. So okay. this is, this is lovely. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So John, 19, you should 20... talk about faith. Yeah. Place love. So, I don't so, want you talking about 67 stuff. Let me. No. Yeah. So, so 1920, this came up with, as we looked backwards in terms of seeing what was Wait, happening. 1920? No, 2019, 2020. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. And so one of the things we I didn't know at, either. <laughs> yeah, we were we were looking at um, uh, a law in Michigan and the law in Michigan allowed if there was an accusation or an issue to actually hold that in the file, but make it visible, allow it also to get down to the state. So ISBE from a from a, 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 a licensure perspective could also have that information, because what was happening is that teachers or admin or anybody they could lock it in their employment file and privacy laws wouldn't let you see it. So you do the background check. So, but unless you were criminally uh, acute or charged or something happened, there'd be no visibility to that information. So what would happen is you get accused of something and it would go into your discussion and say, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to retire right now. And they would retire, lock it, and then no other district could find it. So, the grooming laws in face law took us about a year and a half, two years. We worked with a couple different organizations and we basically crafted language to basically say, look, and the teacher union supported us because they don't want jerks running around in their union that are acting bad. And we got the, the, the superintendents and the state folks. And so this was led by a congressman, Musman, out of Northbrook area. And so we brought in this language for face law to basically what they labeled it as pass the trash. That's what we called it. And so I could basically lock it up and go to the next one. And you know what? We're fine. We're just, we did what we were supposed to do. Let the person go, but no one else knew about it. So how do you protect against pass the trash? So you created a visibility for those accusations. And in the same way, you gave that teacher the ability to go defend themselves because maybe you got a bad admin person that the, that doesn't like the teacher and they want to do something to them. Um, but you give that person due process to fight against that, claim their innocence. But at the same time, if there's something that happened there and there was accusations, that was visible. And then, then the district looking at that for the next hire or is be removing their licensure, saying you don't you can't have a certificate for license. All of a sudden that becomes now visible. And that got signed into law last summer by Pritzker. But but it took literally three and a half years from defining that, writing that, getting that included. And then face law includes other procedures and policies within the grooming laws. It was kind of a two-part uh, two part step. So those have been some of the things I've been working on, on the legislative initiatives and mandates, um, professional training on those things, gaining back some hours for the district has been another one. But those were things that we felt we should lead on and do. We had direct instances of seeing some things that had happened in the past and saying, we need to fix this. I'll tell you that, one of them. So in, in this situation, you know, our recruiting and vetting efforts, we're stringent on every level we can. We're screening HR screening all the candidates. We do fingerprints, we do background checks, we do st state police, FBI, sex offender registry, all of that stuff, Pete. Nothing would have been flagged in this situation. That's why face law is so important. And without a tip, we would have never known. 
So we in that email that I sent out this morning, I showed like there was at the end, like, here's where if you know anything about anything, this situation or other, we want to know because this is not acceptable anywhere, but especially not here. On the 115 side, and this is it. Yep. Uh, you got that lawsuit going on. I know you can't comment on lawsuits, but there was a quote that was put out there that the school doesn't have a duty to protect the kids. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mom and dad sees that and like, what, what WTF, what, Yeah. how do we address that, John or Matt? Yeah. Well, yeah, s simple. I'll start and let you finish Matt. But I think the, this was from a teacher back in uh, late eighties and he was on and he was there. Um, he is one of these that brought this topic up in terms of when it came to our uh I think view in 2019, 2020, that initiated some of this work on the face law, but basically it was something we were not aware of. Um, and even though he got pushed out in 2009, there were limits on what could happen or what was going on. So from a legal case perspective, what I believe, the, and this is unfortunate, but it's basically they're trying to deal with something that occurred back in 89, 88, whatever that individual was accusing him of. Um, from our perspective, what we're simply trying to say is, you know, there, is there a limit to the statute of limitations and what today's taxpayers should or should not be on the hook for, for something that we effectively had no knowledge of? Now, if they can prove that there was and those types of things, I got it. There'll be a lawsuit and they'll go through. But from our perspective, um, I don't love the legal wording, but from the standpoint, this is something that occurred many, many years ago. We've made substantive changes in terms of our policies, our hiring, and what the culture is at the school. And as Matt just eloquently talked about, there is a zero tolerance for this, and we have a very thorough process. So from this standpoint, um, you know, just it's something of that. And, and the lawyers and the insurance companies, they're the ones in court doing this type of stuff in terms of fighting it or justifying it is really out of our purview in regards to that. I'm kind of a witness to what is happening effectively. Um, Matt, anything else? Yeah, so a couple of things. This is a legal strategy. It doesn't represent our values. You're seeing our values play out real time, Pete, with the communication I sent out this morning. At the same time, we have a duty to protect today's taxpayers and do complete due diligence through the legal avenues. But our values are that we have an implicit commitment to protect our students. And any type of thing that is being put out that is saying different from that, all I would say is look at what happened today. That's where we stand on this issue. Fair enough. I wish it didn't, Pete, but it certainly <clears throat> puts the slam dunk on this is my position on this issue. Well, you really cut down on my content for the next few months, uh, guys. Uh... You're, I don't believe that, Pete. I, you love me too much. I'll find something. I'll find something. No, I mean, hey, we, uh, we, uh, <laughs> Joe Weiss just showed up. <laughs> missed it by that much. Yeah. <laughs> you missed it by that much. No, guys, I mean, look, you guys get a lot of crap. I get a lot of crap, especially on the politics side, and I get stuff wrong all the time. And you know what? I'm going to get flamed for not being harder on you guys. I'm like, look, 
This is what I hear. I brought it up, asked, answered, move on to something else. So I respect that, Dr. Montgomery, John Noble. Thank you for coming on. We'd also like to say we're thankful for our Patreon supporters. Otto, John C., Helen, and Herrick. 